Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Social Sit Down Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas. In today's episode, I'm going to touch on a troubling situation that's going on at my pseudo alma mater up in Baton Rouge. A couple of NFL notes that caught my attention. A brief NBA minute, and as always, uh, a parting message that's a little bit personal today or this week. So stay tuned. As hard and as touchy of a subject as it is to talk about, I cannot be 100% balls-to-the-wall homer for LSU's athletics. Yes, I spent five years of my life working for the program. Uh, Through the program, I was given a place to stay, food to eat, and money in my pocket as well. But... That doesn't excuse anything that's going on currently at LSU right now. Seems that the sexual misconduct that I thought was associated with Coach O seems to have been associated with Coach Les Miles. And for me, that's a little bit more troubling for the simple fact that I used to feel bad about wanting Coach Miles to leave LSU's program. I just didn't think he was the right fit for the for this job. Even though he did win the national championship, I think his non-conference record is untouchable, things of that nature. I just never thought that. It was just something about Coach Miles, his preparation, his in-game adjustments, his time management, I just didn't like any of it. And coming from working for a guy like Coach Saban to seeing a guy like Les Miles, it just didn't sit right in my spirit, didn't sit right in my stomach. But again, I always felt bad about wanting him to lose his job because from the outside looking in, it always seems like the 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 biggest compliment I could give to him was that he seems to be a good and decent human being. Well, it turns out that that was a lie. It turns out that Coach Miles was a little bit of a creep. Well, not a little bit. It's a little bit to me. It's a lot of bit to the women that's involved in the story, according to the USA Today Post. (sighs) Using your power and your authority to trick women into whatever, getting into your car, coming back to your house, trying to steal kisses, this just is gross. It's very gross. And at the time when I thought it was Coach O, I felt bad for Coach O, but I also said that if these statements are true, then they should fire Coach O. It's it's turns out that Coach O has a little bit a little bit stuff wrong because I believe Darius Geis was under his watch. My my timeline gets confused with the coaching staff after two thousand and five. So he's not fully exonerated. But I think Kansas should tell Les Miles to to kick rocks, man. Hit the hit the bricks. What he did is 
cannot stand anybody that uses their power to intimidate and violate the powerless, regardless of sex, gender, race, whatever. People in powerful positions that use their power to demean others is just gross. And I wish that karma would come work a little bit faster for them. Turns out that uh, back in 2013, Joe Oliva, the most hated man on LSU's campus at the time, wanted to fire Les Miles because of cause. Because he, he heard all the information. Even though it got swept under the rug, he was going to try to do the right thing. But the... I don't know if it was the boosters or the board of trustees just told Joe Oliva, nah, that's not enough. So what? He's being a creep to all these women. So what? We will tell him to just not deal with the female students ever again. Keep coaching the football program. Hopefully you get to win another national championship. Now keep in mind, 2013, he was about six or seven years removed from his national championship victory, but only two years removed from having what most considered the greatest season in college football history in 2011. So I can see why the boosters did not want to let him go because they still thought of him as somewhat of a great coach. LSU is one of 130 Division 1A schools that have football. With all the information that came out this summer of how coaches treat their black athletes. And knowing that Les Miles is not a unique situation. My dreams of becoming a college football coach keep dwindling over and over and over again because I just, I do not like how this, how this whole thing is run. I do not like the things that get swept under the rug. I do not like the things that happen behind the scenes that we know nothing about until it's way too late. This culture This culture not only abuses women, this culture not only is racist towards the minority of people in this country. For one institution, this, this culture harbored a monster who raped and molested children up in Happy Valley. As much as I like watching college football on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, excuse me, the more I peel back the curtain, the less I like of what I'm seeing. Um, so even though, again, yes, I have love for LSU, my closest friends and people I call family have come from there. Um, almost got married thanks to LSU. I've gotten nieces and nephews that's not blood related because of LSU. And again, LSU's athletic program did take care of me for several years, especially when I didn't deserve it. As far as housing, 
feeding me, putting money in my pocket, but you have to call a spade a spade, man. I'm not that gung-ho about the program to where I can turn a blind eye to abusing people. So hopefully this gets resolved very quickly, very swiftly. The easiest thing to do is fire less miles from Kansas. The easiest thing to do is to give a slap on the wrist to Coach O. I'm hoping LSU goes above and beyond to do the right thing here. And not doing anything too egregious, but just, just handle the situation. And make your real alums and some of your fake alums proud to call LSU their school. This is the strangest time that I can remember in NFL history to where it seems like some top-shelf, top-quality quarterbacks are going to be changing teams this offseason. It's very, very weird to me. It all started when Deshaun Watson just shut everything down and said he's not playing another game for Houston and he's willing to sit out the entire season in order to do so. Down here in New Orleans, um, it's not really a controversy, but our biggest thing is Drew Brees at the age of 42, 43 years old is still teetering on whether or not he wants to retire from everything that I've seen. I'm pretty sure Saints fans and non-Saints fans alike have seen his arm strength has gone kaput. He's still... Mentally, he's still a good quarterback, but physically, it's just it's not there anymore. So with him teetering around, the Saints have to make a, a choice pretty soon on who to move forward with. And one of the options has come in the form of Russell Wilson, again, which is odd. Russell Wilson said he would love to return to Seattle, but if Seattle was willing to trade him, since he has a no-trade clause... He'd be willing to go to Chicago, New Orleans, Dallas, or Las Vegas. That's odd to me. So now we have two and a half quarterbacks that could be on the move. I've talked about why black quarterbacks in the Northeast won't go down. It's a few episodes ago. It's probably one of my, not probably, it is one of my original podcasts, given the history of the NFL and the deep-seated racism within it. Chicago, New England, New York, places like that, they don't do black quarterbacks. They don't do black quarterbacks. You go ahead and check the history. I think New England's had three total black quarterbacks to play a total of, I want to say, 30 games. As starting quarterbacks for the for the New England franchise for New York, the Giants, uh, I think it's been three games for the Giants that a black quarterback has taken a snap for the Jets. The Jets have probably had twenty games started from a black quarterback, and Chicago. I want to say zero. There could have been something in there that slipped uh, slipped by that I don't know about, but I want to say zero. 
So this whole thing about Russell Wilson, if you're a fan of the Chicago Bears and you think Russell Wilson is coming to your town, please, please. Chicago has traded draft capital to move up to get Mitch Trubisky so they wouldn't get stuck with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Russell Wilson is not coming to your city, all right? Russell, I see Russell in New Orleans or Las Vegas, which Las Vegas is an odd thing because they have a starting quarterback that was once in the MVP race, I want to say three years ago, in Derek Carr. And he might be on the move. You go down, go down the street to the, to the bay. San Francisco is talking about giving Jimmy G back to um, back to the Patriots, which is weird. And they're thinking about bringing in Sam Darnold. And the Jets are still like, yeah, you could have Sam Darnold. We're gonna bring in this rookie Zach Wilson, and it's just it's. It's a cluster, and it's weird. There's at least four or five starting quarterbacks, high-quality quarterbacks that might be on the move this year. Two of them already went. Say what you want about Carson Wentz. Again, he was a 2017 legit front-runner for the MVP trophy, and he's back with the head, the head coach that was an offensive coordinator that made him the front-runner to the 2017 MVP race. You have a stud in Matt Stafford that's going to an offensive guru in Los Angeles to play for the Rams. Jimmy G looks horrible in San Francisco's offense, but he looked like the second coming of Tom Brady in New England's offense. So if he does make it back to New England, that would be phenomenal. I don't know what the Saints have to give up to get Russell Wilson, but Dear Drew Brees, the mayor has already made a video welcoming Russell Wilson in, begging him to come to the Saints. Please, 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 on bended knee, come on down to the to the Bayou State. So, Mr. Brees' hands might have been pressed to go ahead, take your retirement, move back to Texas, and enjoy your life. Sam Darnold is the is the wild card here. Because I think that San Francisco would be a good landing spot for Sam Darnold, but here's the thing. The new offensive coordinator for the New York Jets came from San Francisco. So it's basically the same offense he's going to be running. Now, there's more talent in San Francisco, but the Jets have so many draft picks thanks to Seattle that they could actually build a team around Sam Darnold and make him look better than Jimmy G did down in San Francisco. Left tackle is sold up in Makai Becton. They could get at the number two spot, which I think they'll trade out of that, no less than five or eight, should I say, because I think Carolina's sitting at eight. They won't trade out of the top ten, and they'll pick up a stud-wide receiver, and I believe later on in a the draft, they could pick up a stud running back. I don't know if that's going to be Travis Etienne or Najee Harris out of Alabama. The stud receiver they would pick up would probably be Jamar Chase or it might be Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Which brings me to another phenomenon that's happening 
Well, that's actually been happening in the NFL and also in the NBA. It seems like the less tape, the less film that people have on you, the more intrigued they are with you as a prospect. Case in point, this young man, Zach Wilson from out of BYU. I think he's an all right quarterback. I've only seen him play this year against some really, really weak competition. I know he stepped up his statistically from what he was last year to what he is this year has been amazing. It's like a, a, a different quarterback also here that he reads defenses pretty quickly so he could come off of his his first target and progress through his second, third, fourth, and fifth target quicker than anybody else in the draft outside of probably Trevor Lawrence. So he has his upsides as far as that. My thing is, if he really was that good, Okay, first round draft pick, that's that's fine. Why is he above guys that you have more film on? Because I've heard one commentator, I think that was Chris M saying that he would take Zach Wilson with his first overall pick. Which is again, if you do your homework and you figure that the things that you're looking for in a quarterback and the things that's universal for a quarterback is there in Zach Wilson, that's fine. I respect the homework. But how did he go from being somewhat of an unknown to to the casual football fan to the number two overall pick and possibly in some people's books, the number one overall pick at the quarterback position in this year's draft? He's, as far as competition, the people he's played against, he's played against less NFL talent than Justin Fields has at Ohio State. On the flip side of that, Justin Fields has not played the same amount of games, total games, as Zach Wilson has. And that's that's an issue. Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells, two of the greatest coaches in football history, have a chart that they go by as far as quarterbacks. Bill Parcells has one for college years. Bill Walsh has one for NFL years. In Bill Parcells' mind, in order to be a successful NFL quarterback, not great, not Awesome, not the best that ever was. Just to be a capable starting quarterback in the NFL, you need at least 30 starts at the collegiate level to make it into the NFL and be a decent quarterback. Justin Fields has... He has under 30. I'm trying to remember how many games Ohio State played last year. This year they played seven or eight last year I believe they played 13 maybe 14 games so he's he's gone over 20 but he did not hit that 30 that 30 game mark Zach Wilson I don't believe he's hit the 30 game mark either but he's closer by about five or six games 
than Justin Fields is. So again, that's that's something major. Bill Wall says it takes 20 games in the NFL to see if you have a starting quarterback. If you you can't tell by the first 20 games that a guy plays, you do not have a starting quarterback in the NFL. And you need to go draft another one. So this this homework that people have done on Zach Wilson, it better be right because you need a year and a half to figure out whether or not you have a good quarterback. And this year is going to be extremely hard with the pandemic slowing everything down, postponing games, making practice harder, making OTAs harder. You really, really have to do your homework on all of these quarterbacks. But for a guy to to become a relative unknown, to jump up this high, that's a caution flag for me. Another guy that I really like, but I would not take in the first round unless I had uh, a starting quarterback in his mid to late 30s that's solid. And that's a quarterback from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. He played in, I want to say, 15 games last year because I believe they won the national championship again at North Dakota State. But he's only played one game this year. Jamar Chase played in 15 games last year. He's played in no games this year. Zach Wilson, Jamar Chase, and Trey Lance their stock is through the roof. And I wonder moving forward if that's going to be something that these new high school, these new age high school kids keep in mind. The less film that they have of you, the less things they could critique about you, the higher higher potential of draft pick you become, which means more front end money in your first contract. So to Jamar Chase, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, um, Trey Lance, I wish you good luck. And I wish the franchises that pick you luck as well because there's really, really not enough film on you. And because of that, you're a mystery, you're intriguing. And one of these teams are going to pick up one of you and somebody is going to be wrong. History says it. Somebody's going to be wrong. I'm going to speed read through this session, even though it's called the NBA Minute. There's a few things uh, I'm going to hit on. One, Blake Griffin is a net. I'm happy that he gets a chance to play for a winning team, but since it's 2021, Blake Griffin is just a name now. He's not the above-the-rim player that he used to be. I haven't seen him play since he's been in that abyss called Detroit for like the last three or four years, so I don't know if he's improved on his jumper, if he's a three-point shooter now, if he's still a low-post player. I know his shooting percentage fell off drastically this year, so... I'm hoping he's not a shell of himself, so congratulations on going to the Nets. But Nets, I don't know what you got in Blake Griffin outside of a name. Another one of the big men that was supposed to be signed before the season ends is Boogie Cousins. Got let go by Houston. 
Things weren't working out there. The Nets needed a big man. They signed one. Rumor is the Lakers need a big man. Boogie might go back to the Lakers, but I believe the same staff let you go last year or two years ago. So why would they bring you back now just because they need a big man when they couldn't possibly trade for one? Minnesota is also in the same boat looking for a big man, and they've they they've decided to trade for one. They're interested in either John Collins from out of Atlanta, Aaron Gordon from Orlando, Larry Nance out of Cleveland, and P.J. Tucker out of Houston. The confusing thing about that to me is outside of P.J. Tucker, actually switch that pj tucker why would you want pj tucker you're on a losing ship he's old he needs to go to a team that'll help help him find a ring asap the other guys youth line up to what you have going on in minnesota the odd thing with that to me is again the ship is sinking why are you trying to trade to get better on a sinking ship Maybe it's because they, first, they don't have a first-round draft pick anymore. Aha! So, I'm leaving this in. This minute is almost up. I watched the All-Star game. Kind of, sort of, but not really. I watched the dunk competition. And I'm starting to think that these old heads are starting to get, like, some of the, the, the casual fans of the sport. Obi Toppin and Anthony Simmons did some amazing things last night that I don't think got fully respected. Obi Toppin in one of his dunks, the one I, I, I think only got like a 46 or 47, this man, this man took off in the air, had the coordination to, while he was in the air, bounce the ball between his legs, catch it in stride, with his, his awesome coordination, still in the air, mind you, double clutch and reverse dunk the basketball. And that only got him like a 46 or 47. Whew. I'm not that much of an expert in physics to, to describe how awesome of an athletic feat that that was that Obi Toppin did. And people just pass it off like it was whole hump. Anthony Simmons, my neck of the woods, they say that that boy has bunnies, but yeah, he got bunnies, but he also has hang time. All three of his dunks that he was able to perform were spectacular to me. His first one where he jumped above the, above the rim to get a basketball and come down and dunk the basketball was amazing. There was another one he... Uh, he did a replica of Tracy McGrady's dunk from early 2000s. So he got the perfect bounce pass to himself, not off the glass, off the floor, caught it in the air, did a 360 and dunked the basketball. Now, my volume was down because I was doing some other things, but the crowd reaction looked 50-50 with the little bit of crowd that they had, which was mostly players and, and the workers. That's crazy to me, man. The man caught, 
first of all, the coordination, because the thing, it was only a one attempt thing. The coordination to put the ball perfectly on the floor to where it's going to bounce back to you, to where you can catch it and do your 360 and complete the dunk. That's amazing, man. And I, I I hope this isn't getting lost on people. How amazing of a feat that was. And his last dunk, where he rose up and if he wanted to, could have kissed the rim. He could have kissed the rim. He was just scared that he was going to hit himself in the face with the basketball. But he got up so high and hung in the air for so long that he was attempting to kiss the bleeping rim. That's how high he got. The airtime that he had was like, no, nah, I can't kiss it because I might accidentally hit myself in the face. So let me just go ahead and dunk this basketball. <laughs> and only three of the judges said, you know what? That, that was pretty good. My God, this NBA minute has been longer than what I thought it was going to be. But I need for y'all to respect the athleticism that you saw on Sunday, if you did have a chance to watch the dunk competition at the halftime of the All-Star game, because it was amazing. Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, respect. And it's coming to a close or starting to slow down a little bit that I would start to, to like talk more about myself let you know who I am as a person and not just um, just blindly talking into this telephone to put together this podcast the best way I know how. If everything goes right this year, I'll get to see my 44th birthday. The moments leading up to this point in time has been pretty interesting for me at least and this part message isn't really a message it's just a little bit about me so born in 1977 I was born on a Friday night September the 2nd in a city called Marrero Louisiana it's right across the river from one of like seven eight cities across the river from New Orleans, Louisiana. Most people know New Orleans more than they know about Marrero because whenever, back in the day, whenever I used to say Marrero, people used to say, yeah, I've been to Monroe. Like, nah, not from Monroe. It's two totally different places. Two totally different spots on the map in Louisiana. So, um, yeah, born in 77. There's not too much I remember about my childhood at that point in time. I do remember, I remember dad used to work a lot. He owned his own shop at one point in time. Uh, I believe he was also a part of like league softball, league baseball, something like that. Baseball was one of my favorite sports when I was growing up. I remember my mother taking care of the house. She was also a babysitter for pretty much everybody in the neighborhood. Uh, If you lived in or around Woodmere, the little subdivision out in Harvey, my mother probably did babysit you 
for at least a week or two. So her entrepreneurial spirit had that going. Dad's entrepreneurial spirit had his, his uh, car shop going. And me, I was just living life. Uh, the the people that my mother babysit sat the longest for technically became like family to me in my younger years. Um, my homeboy Chris, no last names. Uh, of course, my sister and her close friends became sisters. Jennifer and Ashley, no last names. Uh, Cortland, LaShawn, uh, Michael, uh, Cameron, uh, Latoya. That's just a whole bunch of whole bunch of people. I, I forgot names. That's disrespectful. I shouldn't have started out with names, but it was at the top of my head, so I roll with it. Uh, things weren't always great. On the outside looking in, I've had a lot of people tell me what they thought my family was. And that was always funny to me because it's odd the things that people see when they get a little bit more than a snippet of your life. Because some people thought that we were the perfect family and we were far, far, far from that. Uh, one of the things that's far, far from that was the fact that I'm my mother's firstborn child. And my baby sister's my mother's secondborn child. But in the lineage of my father, I'm like kid number seven, eight. And that dynamic was, was very weird. I have a ton of half brothers, some of some whom I have seen. My oldest brother, that's no longer with us, of course, is my brother Paul. When I used to go do my swimming lessons at a school that was Archbishop Blank, I believe now it's called Thomas Jefferson since Hurricane Katrina passed through. I remember my brother Paul being there when I got finished, uh, you know, dressed up in his overalls or his, actually his coveralls because he used to work, work at the shop with my dad. Um, he didn't stay in our lives too long. <clears throat> he went on trying to make, you know, life of his own. I wound up in a bad situation and around the time I was 11 or 12 years old, somebody decided that they were gonna take his life and put a shotgun in his back and killed him. So 
Another thing that, that that went down in that same ten year time fr- time frame from seventy seven to eighty seven. Uh, another one of my half brothers, my brother Philip, who is also no longer with us. Uh, I think Philip was a very unique brother. In those, in, for, for that time frame. I don't believe we were around the same age. Philip, I said that I don't remember this. This is how broken this dumbass family is. But uh, I think Philip was maybe five or six years older than me. But um, he never treated me like. Like you see on the sitcoms, like how big brothers treat their little brothers, man. My brother Philip used to talk to girls on the phone, used to bring girls by the house. He wasn't trying to kick me out of the room or none of that, man. I, I got to sit there and watch TV with him. Uh, we used to used to play my little uh, Hot Wheels set <clears throat> back in our first house. In Woodman, on South Birchfield, uh, wrestling man, we both got in trouble. <laughs> uh, there's there's this move called the DDT. Everybody who enjoys wrestling knows what a DDT is. Grab your opponent by the head, fall down backwards, and the head's supposed to hit the mat and knock them out. Well, in the country. Being a bunch of country boys, my brother did grab me by the head, fell down backwards, and I was supposed to fall on a mattress. However, math wasn't our favorite subject at the time, so that kind of got miscalculated. I let him grab my head. He did the little whatever, whatever. He fell backwards. And instead of my head hitting the mattress that was on the ground where we were doing our wrestling moves at, my head hit the concrete and all hell broke loose. Now, there was no blood or nothing like that, but I could not stop crying for the life of me. And my brother was like, man, Sandell, man, calm down, bro. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, man. Dad ran in there, saw me crying like a little schoolgirl, saw him trying to keep me calm. And it just just got his ass bust, man. We both got in trouble, though. Him for busting my head on the concrete. Me for letting him bust my head on the concrete. So, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a, it was a very unique relationship because of him. My actual favorite sport at the time was basketball. Um... I was a Lakers fan because of Phillip. I used to root for the Lakers for for a few years because of him. I wanted to play the point guard position. Uh, just I just wanted to do everything like Phillip at the time. Um, there was a chance for both of us to go to basketball camp. At Kings Grant Playground out in Marrero. 
but we both got blessed with a little sister in 1983, so only one of us was allowed to go to basketball camp. Um, if anybody's ever seen me play basketball or heard of me play basketball, I think you can guess which one of us got to go to basketball camp. <laughs> it was the troubled youth that was in the house for a short period of time. The last thing that me and my brother ever did together was watch the Super Bowl that was down here in New Orleans, the Chicago Bears versus uh, New England Patriots. And I remember it because of the Super Bowl shuffle and we were sitting there doing like mimicking the dances and everything. But uh, he got himself into some, some trouble. I think he just was, I don't know if he was hanging out with his friends or he was on a date and didn't come home in time for curfew, but that that wound up being a that was a bad day, and so because of that and the aftermath of that, uh. He moved out. He, well, he had to move out. And the last time I ever saw my brother alive was around 1986, 1987. And I remember sitting in the car, watching him go to, I think he was going to his mom, uh, go back to live with his mom. I was too young to understand any of the conversations that was going on, so I don't remember any of the conversation. I just remember that uh, that Philip was leaving, and I was going to be stuck in that house, kind of sort of by myself. I mean, my sister was still a baby, still an infant, but I was uh, yeah, I was technically by myself. A few years after that, of course, I grew up. I told you when I was 12 years old, my oldest brother was murdered. Uh, Philip found a dude that murdered our oldest brother. And he tried to kill him. Wasn't successful, but <clears throat> I did get arrested. He went to jail for attempted murder. Did his time, got out. Tried to uh, tried to get his life together. That didn't really work out <clears throat> all that well. And I want to say about a year or two ago, he was uh, he was murdered down down on in New Orleans because for some odd reason. Yeah, so 77 to 87, I uh, got a chance to go to Disney World when I was a kid out in Florida. The 
1983 or 1985, the World's Fair came to New Orleans. So I got to ride a, do a gondola ride from the West Bank to the East Bank. On a, I don't know how to explain a gondola. It's like a metal box hovering over the water and, you know, rope travel to the different side of town. Um, I've got to see like monster truck rallies out in the Superdome. Uh, it's just it was just a pretty, pretty normal, somewhat normal childhood. Outside of the fact of you know the obvious. But when my brother left, my brother Philip left in 86, 87. I shut down for a few years. I shut down for a few years. I stopped watching basketball altogether. Uh, stopped watching football, but I mean, football wasn't really that big of a sport back then. Not to me. And I believe I stopped watching uh, baseball as well. So I just, I shut down sports. Uh, small wedge started to become built between me and my parents. And as the years progressed, it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So... It's the first decade of my life from Marrero to Harvey, growing up on the West Bank side of New Orleans, Louisiana, with a, a blended family trying to make things work. So. Next podcast, I'll give you 87 to 97 as best I can. No part message, just a story of my life. Thank you once again for stopping by. Take a listen to whatever I have to say on this podcast on any given Monday or Tuesday. As always, it's greatly appreciated. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. Unsubscribe, subscribe again. Rate, review again. Hope all of you have a, an awesome week this week. And I'll talk to you later.